I do consider myself to be an investigator as well because uh, the the regular work which I have been doing at Kashmir Unheard or generally in my personal capacity is investigative because we as journalists and storytellers we have to be investigators it is only investigations which gives clarity about certain issues which are very complex to understand actually it helps navigate around certain structures that exist in occupied lands like Kashmir or Palestine or any other part of the world it helps us reveal those patterns it helps us understand the people we live among it helps us to also to understand and learn about the designs of the state you just follow the what we say follow the power and follow the money similarly follow that attitude of investigation you're listening to exposing the invisible interviews with investigators about their methods their communities and what motivates them to keep going My name is Sajjad Rasool and I come from Indian administrative Kashmir. I was born and raised there. Um, for the past eight years, I have been working as a journalist and community activist in Kashmir itself. I was born in 1988. It is the year when militancy erupted in Kashmir. So I grew uh, sort of like seeing what's happening around me. and i had always inclination towards like reading about history and i have been a student of history as well not everything would be covered in newspapers and kashmir during 90s up to 2002 at least has been a spot of a lot of violence so the media concentration is largely in in the city which is srinagar which is the only city of kashmir so it would be very very difficult for news media organizations to reach out to these small pockets of kashmir valley to record what's happening there in terms of like human rights abuses and the conflict how it's affecting them so when i grew slowly uh, i did my graduation then i actually joined the journalism school and where i did my masters and the intention was to create something some sort of like a different platform which would be very democratic free and independent and which won't necessarily engage journalists and train journalists particularly in in storytelling because then it becomes a mainstream again the idea was to like engage social activists who already are working on different types of like issues in their localities in their areas i run a community news organization called kashmir unheard it's a global network of uh, community news organizations mostly working in india uh wherein we train people from marginalized sections of the society particularly what we call uh, media dark areas certain spots of india where there is no media access mainstream media access so so we have trained like almost 36 people in the past 7 years who have reported from their respective districts and respective blocks and areas we call them community correspondents because they are representing a community which they belong to it's not a person you know coming from some other pocket of india or other state of india coming there and parachuting and coming as a journalist and telling the story and recording it so it is a person who belongs there who lives this story every day it's actually uh focused on like evidence collection which we use in two ways one is the human rights aspect of stories so almost every story is told with a tone of human rights second aspect of our work is to highlight the local issues rather we call them hyper local issues so if there's a village wherein there is not a good uh, road connectivity or there is a health center which is not functional or doctors are not coming 
and document it in video as an evidence, as, as something which can be pruned to the authorities. So it's the second part of the work is rather like focused on the impact. So how do we resolve issues with the help of the technology and journalism and activism? Our project is a mix of activism and journalism. I do believe in objectivity, but uh, most of the time we deal with subjects, so everything is subject, everything becomes subjective and our prejudices and biases are always there. I would definitely uh, consider myself to be, an, to be a journalist as well as an activist. I think every journalist has to be an activist because uh, in most of the cases when we tell human story, we got to take positions, we got to take sides. I mean, taking the side of the people is, is what I do as a journalist. I take the position and I align myself with the people and their voices. Uh, when I was very young and I would go to school in locality, I would often hear um, sounds of bombs somewhere coming from somewhere in our locality. It was until uh, almost 2010, I didn't know what's happening. Then in 2010, I got to know about uh, a military firing range. So I was like, very curious. I was like, no, what, how, how is it possible? Then once, once upon a time, I happened to go to that locality and I saw it like artillery guns placed in a river, on a riverbed. Actually, river is flowing and on the riverbed, there are like huge artillery guns placed, hundreds. The mountain is here and the guns are here, right? But under this area, there are 16 villages. And for the past 60 years, almost 250 or something people had died because of the misfiring of the guns. Then I was imagining, oh my God, these people live under these circumstances for five months, around a year, and listening to these differing sounds all the time. Then I tried to like dig it in uh, on my Google search, but nothing came out, literally. Then in 2014, we created, so I'm also, since I'm an activist as well, I'm associated with some civil society groups in Kashmir. Uh, we, we came up with this idea, we should make a front of the local people who would demand that this military firing range should be like evacuated, taken away because it has affected lives here. It's a question of human rights, it's a question of human life. I would go village to village and find the people who had been affected directly. The people without their limbs, without their like eyes in, uh, or the people whose uh, relatives had actually died because of the unexploded shells. And we create, I created like almost, I don't know, like maybe 100 interviews of the victims. And we created this forum and we involved locals only in it. And we brought them to the press colony, we call it in Srinagar, and they came to protest there. We also supported them. We printed banners and everything. It was a civil, civil rights movement, kind of. And uh, finally, I wrote a blog and sent it to local newspapers to publish it about Tosa Maidan. They refused to publish initially because they were scared of writing anything against the state and military. Then I sent it to some alternative blogs to India and they published it. So it started picking, picking up, actually, this story. And I kept on writing regularly, regularly, regularly. And then finally, after a battle of like almost one and a half years, we won, finally. That is one story which is very close to my heart, like where we achieved success. And it's a very good example of like journalism and activism can go hand in hand. 
you can, we can change status quo we can change things on the ground if we have the intention of like not only telling the story rather like following up on the story and trying to resolve the issue itself we were also arrested detained for some short time like for a day or something we were also investigated by the intelligence agencies at home i was investigated how come who gives me money to do this work and this and that uh, which is like classic which happens in every such society where military is dominating safety definitely is is a big issue uh, i mean working in a conflict area then the conflict area is, has the highest it's the highest militarized zone in the world with almost 700,000 to 1 million troops for 7 million people it's it's a very slippery slope and uh, since 2019 after the annexation of kashmir and abrogation of special states by the indian state the journalism and activism has been virtually like scrapped so it's like there is sort of an emergency you know, like it's it's the state is now managed not by civil authorities anymore kind of like you know there's no civil civil in government it's largely managed by indian state itself from delhi so internet was also shut down communication was shut down for one and a half years and we didn't have internet uh, a new media policy for example was brought in where in every media outlet if they produce a news if they make a news they had it has to undergo certain criteria first only then will it be published so you'll see like hundreds of outlets are shut down so kashmir under in itself uh, so abrogation happened in august 2019 and our office was shut obviously so it remained shut till date it's still shut so this not just kashmir unheard but other outlets as well who were alternative voices kind of not the mainstream journalism so there is several challenges which the, the models like ours face regularly one is that physical threat it is there it exists you know you are summoned to the police station you are summoned to the military camp and you are questioned about what you wrote on social media you're questioned about what you tweeted or you're questioned about the video you produced and published and uh, the, there is this new trend of like we still have like three journalists who are in jail uh, one journalist is in jail for the past 4 years and two journalists they were arrested uh, one and a half years ago and they still are in jail they have been alleged of like anti national activities and you know terrorist funding and this and that so which uh, is actually a way to curse and threaten others and their voices so that they don't speak so the intimidation and threats are something which is very regular in kashmir and we have gotten kind of used to it but yeah when it comes to the question of family it is uh, is more tricky i would say because then your family gets involved so they they know like the, the intelligence agencies when they visit or police visit they visit my family home right so they ask them these questions why is he doing what he is doing and this is like a way to coerce a way to 
psychologically intimidate people around you who might later on tell you no sajjad why are you doing this what you are doing my mother has been every time telling me why don't you take a job of teacher in the in the village you would have been earning much better salary and you would have been at peace at your home would have like done lived nice life right but so these questions come you know but then it is very difficult to like you know uh, navigate to balance uh, the relationship with the family and also the coercion that takes place and the in- psychological intimidation that happens regularly and the concern they carry like when they see news that the journalists were harassed in a week last month 40 journalists were raided their houses were raided their gadgets were confiscated by the state agencies 40 journalists it's not a small number almost every journalist actually right so this intimidation and threat is there all the time and they never know if i happen to go to kashmir will i be able to travel back if i want to leave because most of these journalists who have been raided are not allowed to travel because they are put on no fly list so our avenues are limited but whatever avenues we have whatever opportunity it gives to us we try to harness those right so this is the whole intention like okay fine we might not have a full on like big cameras and like you know live streaming and stuff because our issues are not big issues we are talking about the smaller issues in journalistic terms i would say so this is the people who are suffering with that issue who are living that issue and they have the right to tell it right then they might be running out of the avenues to make it reach millions of people but the intention again is not to reach millions of people intention is to resolve that particular problem and journalism has largely failed us so we are not for profits organization right we do not take advertisements to publish content so once you become media house a classic media house you obviously have biases you have editorial policy See, our editorial policy is completely decided by the community correspondent and the community itself what they want to keep in the video no alteration is done nothing so in order to like achieve something and listen to these unheard and muzzled voices we definitely have to create such avenues and platforms for the people to tell their stories we cannot be like oh no because you are not cnn or BBC or Al Jazeera or New York Times you cannot you are not a journalist that's that would be wrong i would say so i think now i have taken this challenge of uh, to myself actually how to curate something wherein we will still be able to tell the story besides that i i work as a filmmaker as well documentary filmmaker which is influenced largely uh, by the work i do at my office actually at kashmir anar so my recent documentary it's a it's a short documentary film about 15 minutes which talks about life in kashmir but we are not j- directly talking to the conflict we we are trying to use uh, visual metaphors to tell the story uh, i think I, i'll be largely working on my podcast series and talking about kashmir and talking about certain issues which concern kashmir or not concern kashmir largely global issues certain things which i want to expand i in the future i want to also think of certain ways of bringing out the voice which remains uh, which remains completely silenced in kashmir i don't know how but i think that's a challenge for the creative people like us to develop those platforms so that everybody is safe 
as an artist how will i tell the same story differently now because in this we are also a story democracy is not merely participating and uh, in electoral process right democracy is also about equipping people and empowering them in different ways i mean journalism particularly in in today's age when there are so many equipments there are so many avenues of like social media and then you have free technology like you have a phone and you have a camera in it and you can use it to shoot evidence then everybody becomes an investigator everybody actually becomes a storyteller you know you pick any example from the recent revolutions most of the content was produced by the people who were like normal people citizens right so that became a reason for people to come out and support that particular movement so in order to fix certain things in the communities whose voices have been silenced and marginalized in the past i think they have every right to use this technology harness this technology and its benefits to tell what has remained silenced or what has not been told before You've been listening to the second season of Exposing the Invisible, a podcast by Tactical Tech with funding from Sida. Interview and production by Mariam Abughezi. From Tactical Tech, the Exposing the Invisible team is me, Wael Iskander, Laura Ranka, Lika Plucher, Mark Tishinsky, and Christy Lang.